Well, I'm real excited. You know, we're talking about how to develop a willing heart. And just as I was, you know, praying, I just kind of live in the word all the time. And I knew the Lord was stirring me about something. But, you know, this, this afternoon especially, the Lord started stirring me to really share with you guys um, just in how I walk by faith. There are four things that I am always conscious of in my walk of faith. So we're going to talk about those four things tonight. Is that okay? I think this will help you. This is going to be one of those messages that you could probably listen to maybe a whole bunch of times because this is a lifestyle thing. Remember, faith is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Okay? So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 11. And I liken these four things. These are four things the Lord dealt with me years ago. And man, as I've walked through life, I'm always conscious. The first thing that I'm always conscious of is I must live my life knowing my enemy. I must know my enemy. I know how he operates, right? I know how he's coming after me. I know how he's coming after everyone. So I'm conscious. I'm not ignorant of his devices. I know exactly how he comes. And that's because I live my life conscious of that all the time. I'm never surprised by what he does. So let's talk about this. If you, if you want, might all want to liken this to four legs of a table. You know, if you have a table and there's only three legs... That table, if it's supposed to have four, that's not going to work very well. So these are four things that will help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, talking about knowing our enemy. It says, lest Satan, who's our enemy, let's just define that. Yep. Your enemy's Satan, right? Your enemy's not your mother-in-law. Nope. It's not your mom and dad. Right. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. It's not anyone who's ever harmed you. That's not your enemy. The enemy's Satan. He's behind everything. And he'll use people. And he'll, he'll manipulate things to steal, kill, and destroy. But he is your enemy. It says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, if you're not ignorant of his devices, he can't take advantage of you. Isn't that good news? Right? His devices. So the Greek word devices reveals his devices. Isn't that deep? That's theologically really deep, right? It's not quite as deep as how many angels could dance on the head of a pin, which theologians, seminary students talk about that stuff. Are you kidding me? The answer to that's none. I mean, if an angel was small enough to dance on the head of a pin, do you think they would say fear not when they appeared to you? Fear not. No, I don't think so, right? No. So this is really deep. His, this word devices here is the... It's a little pastoral humor, keeps people awake. But if you're tired tonight and you fall asleep, your spirit still gets it. That's the rule here, right? So, and, and it's all good. This word devices is the Greek word noemata. Noemata. It means 
tormenting and confusing mind games. The battlefield, how Satan comes against every one of us, he comes against your mind. He will throw thoughts in your mind. And, and thoughts will come from different, he'll, he'll create circumstances in your life, he'll use people, he'll use the world system to start tormenting and confusing mind games. Okay? This Greek word gives us the picture of a scheming of the mind. That's his devices. So how many understands that? Pretty simple? Great. He can never take advantage of you again. It, could it be that simple? It is. But you got to walk that out. And as you meditate in these scriptures, Father, I thank you that Satan never takes advantage of me because I am not ignorant of his devices. I understand today he's going to try to play mind games with me. He's going to use this world system. He might use people. He might use circumstances. He might attack me with sickness and disease. Whatever he tries to do, it's all for the purpose of, of confusing me in my mind. So I'll never let him do that. Right? And now I don't stand in my own strength. Now, mighty Holy Spirit, help me. Help me in this, right? Let's look at another one. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. The Bible tells us, be sober. Be sober. This word sober, in the Greek, it means to think clearly. All right? We don't want a show of hands, but if you've ever been drunk, you know you're not thinking clearly. Something is altering your thinking. You're driving down Blondo at five miles an hour and you think you're going 80. Or you're driving down Blondo at 80 miles an hour and you think you're going five. You're not thinking clearly, right? You think you're in between those lines, but you're not. You're all over the place because something is altering that. The Bible is saying, think clearly and then it says, be vigilant. That means be ever on your guard. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I ever am not on my guard? No. I'm to always be on my guard. Before I go to bed tonight, I will go in my office and I will sit in my chair and I will prepare myself to go to sleep because that little loser is not going to mess with my mind. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about stuff. And it wakes me up going, whoa, wait, time out. No, 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 I'm not going here. Right? And if you have little kids, you got to do this for them. Satan, I bind you. You cannot mess with my kids as they're sleeping. Right? Whatever. Be vigilant. Be ever on your guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, what's he doing? He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he can't devour just anybody he wants to. He's seeking who he can devour. 
Do you know how the main reason, you know how he can tell if he can devour you? Man, I'm telling you, he's walking around, he's kind of looking at you, throws a thought in your mind, sees what you do with it. Do you kind of go, ooh? Do you kind of go, do you start talking? He throws a thought, man, this is just not working out. And all of a sudden, you, it's like, it's like a, a Star Wars Jedi mind game. And you start going, yeah, this is not working out. Man, those little demons get all happy. Oh, they're taking that bait. He's walking around seeking whom he may devour. Well, the big part of this is your adversary, the devil. The word adversary means one who is violently opposed to righteousness. He's violently opposed. He hates you as a Christian because you're righteous. Yes, he does. You have a position that he can never have. That's right. right? And he's the devil. That's the Greek word diabolos. Dia, it means literally to penetrate through something to the other side. Well, when you understand his devices, it's the scheming of the mind. He's trying to penetrate your mind by doing abelos, by throwing something blow after blow after blow. He's throwing thoughts at your mind in order to penetrate your mind so that he can play confusing mind games. Have you ever, have, have you ever been in, in a situation, in a circumstance, and you start looking at natural things and talking about your, you know, your mountain and doing all this stuff, and pretty soon you're totally confused, right? That's what he's doing. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 27 says this, neither give place to the devil. So don't be ignorant of his devices. Be sober, be ever on your guide, or on your guide, on your guard. And then right here, never give him place. You have no place in my life. I'm not gonna let you use my tongue. I'm not gonna let you, I'm not gonna give ear to anything you say to me, Right? See, some people think God's word is true because they see it. Do you know that God's word is not true because we see it? God's word is true because he said it. And if he said it, and you'll believe it and speak it, you'll see it. Does that make sense? His word is true. His word is truth. James chapter 4, verse 7. Here's another foundational scripture. I'm always conscious of these things. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. To be submitted to God is what? I have to be submitted to his word. Because guess what? His, his word is him. Right? We have Jesus, the living word, we have logos, L-O-G-O-S, that's the written word. And then we have rhema, that's the Greek word, that's the spoken word. Right? But he is the word. So I submit myself to God, and then I resist the devil, and the Bible says he will flee from me. And that word flee means as in terror. Resist the devil. That Greek word means to stand and oppose him. That means when he says something to you, like, listen, 
You'll never be able to amount to anything. Your situation will never change. That's when you got to answer that. Oh, no, 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 no. It is written. My God always causes me to triumph. He always gives me the victory. The pa- my path is one of increase, and guess what? I'm going to finish strong. Everything, Psalm 1-3, everything I put my hand to will be brought to maturity. Oh, yeah, it's changing. Yeah, but this door is shut. Yeah, but it is written. He opens the doors that no man can shut. Right? So we have the word. Now, who helps us with this? The Holy Spirit helps us with this. Right? But I'm not speaking that out of my mind. I'm speaking that out of my spirit. I answer him. I stand against and oppose him with the word of God exactly the way Jesus did. John chapter, John chapter 8, verse 44. Let's look at this one. Look at this. Jesus said this, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So in other words, we learn from this, Satan is a murderer. He comes, John 10.10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life, and that more abundantly. So if it steals, kills, and destroys, it is not Jesus. I don't care what pastor says it is, right? I don't care what theologian says it is. What does the word say? Right? Every good, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. That means if he's done it for one, he'll do it for all. It says here he was a murderer from the beginning. Wow. From the very beginning. That's that's even before Adam and Eve. It says, here's something else about him, and he abode not... In the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. Man, you ever get around somebody who's demon-possessed? Gosh, I used to have a college and career ministry right off the 405 freeway in Southern California. Man, Friday night Bible study, we had some interesting people show up. They'd come off the freeway. You know, you meet them and you're just going, man, you know, your spiritual... Your spiritual antenna's up and going, oh gosh, here we go, right? And boy, I'll tell you what, you meet somebody demon-possessed, man, they'll quote scriptures. And every scripture they quote, it just you're just going, ugh, there's just something about that. Why? Because they might be speaking it, but they're lies. He's a liar. The truth is not in him, right? And after a while, they can't speak. They might quote one scripture correctly, then they'll quote one that's partially correct and a little off, and then pretty soon it gets way off, right? Look at what else. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Do you know Satan is not a creator, but he has created one thing. He's created lies. Before him, there was no lie. 
Don't ever yield your tongue to be like Satan. Because if you speak a lie, you're just acting like him. And that won't produce life in your life. So he's a liar. Now jump over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Because this gives us some other things about him. And it tells us how to stand against him. In Ephesians 6.10, it says this. Finally, my brethren. The word finally means now to the most important thing I'm going to say. What is it? Be strong in the Lord. This word, in the, in the Greek language, this is in the commanding tense. God is commanding you and I to be strong in the Lord. Now this word, in the Lord, this is written in what's called the Greek locative tense. This is, this is powerful because... This means that the only, and, and this word strong, literally, it's a command, and it's the Greek word, literally means, it literally means superhuman strength. God is commanding you to be strong with superhuman strength, strength that's beyond you. He's commanding you as a child of God to do that. He's saying, this is the most important thing I'm saying in this whole letter and that letter is full of a lot of stuff, a lot of doctrine. But he's saying you got to be strong with superhuman strength. If you go a little deeper into this word, it means to be continually strengthened inwardly with superhuman strength. And then it says in the Lord. And it's in the locative tense because the only place superhuman strength is found is in the Lord. That's why it's in the locative tense. Isn't that good news? Everything that you and I have in Christ, everything we've been given, it's all locked up in him. And guess what? You're in him. Wow. Oh, pastor, that's good preaching. I know. That's right. Can't take any credit. The word is just so good. It says, be strong in the Lord, but then it goes on, and be strong in the power of his might. This word power is the Greek word kratos. Be strong in the strength, power, and dominion of his might. The word might means his ability. Wow. Be strong in the strength, the power, and the dominion of his ability. You are commanded to do that. God would never command you to do that if, if that wasn't available to you. Now he's going to tell us how to do this in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. This word put on gives you the picture in English like you're getting dressed, but that's not this word. It's the Greek word enduo. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, listen, guys, don't leave Jerusalem until you be enduoed with power from on high. Oh, Talking about when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. This is saying, literally be endued with the whole armor of God. In other words, you and I are commanded to be endued with God's armor. What is God's armor? His word. It's revelation knowledge of his word. 
be endued with it. Now, when you understand that when God says something, his words are enablements. When he says, when he says, Jeanette, be strong in the Lord, he is literally enduing, he, he's literally enabling her and empowering her to be strong. God is telling you to that tonight. Be strong in the strength, power, and dominion of God's ability continually. And it's all in Christ, which is where you are at. Be, be, or put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, stand against the wiles of the devil. So now it's going to kind of tell us the wiles of the devil. That sounds so scary until you understand. When you understand he's defeated, he's been stripped of all power and all authority and you have been given all the authority that Jesus got in his redemptive work. And it's all locked up in his name. So when you speak the name of Jesus, Pastor Mark must have known I was preaching on this before I did. Wouldn't that, that last song get it? Speak the name of Jesus, right? When you speak the name of Jesus, guess what happens? His power and his presence is right there. But it says here, that you may be able to stand. This Greek word stand literally means to survey the battlefield. If you are a military guy and you're in war, we have several veterans here, combat veterans. I could tell you this, every one of them would tell you, you want higher ground. You know, when we left, uh, what was it, Afghanistan, my brother, who was a Marine, he was a combat veteran. He was so ticked. He goes, man, the way that we left Afghanistan, they put our military, they gave the enemy high ground, and they were sitting ducks. Well, when you're strong in the Lord, when the whole armor of God manifests upon you, why? See, it... How does the armor of God manifest upon you? Do you realize it's manifesting upon you, God's very armor, while you're being continually strengthened inwardly in the supernatural, superhuman power, strength, and dominion of Almighty God's ability? What it does is it lifts you up. So survey the battlefield. It will lift you up. You've seen me do this before. You'll see me do this again. Right, I do not have any fear of being repetitious. And it helps you because you could see something from down there, but from higher ground, you could see. In other words, the word of God will put you in a position to see Satan coming from far away. What does the Holy Spirit do? He doesn't tell you of things to come. He shows you. Right? So that you may be able to stand against to stand against, to survey the battlefield. Wow, the wiles of the devil. Sounds so big and bad. The word wiles is the Greek word, word methodia. Here, this is really deep. The Greek word, now don't worry about these Greek words, but this word, this word, wiles, the Greek word methodia, it means he travels down one road, one way. And we've already seen the road. He's coming against your mind. 
He can't come against your spirit. He can't touch your spirit. He comes against your mind. Right? Every problem that you have as a Christian, it's all in your mind. The battlefield is your mind, and God has given you the victory in this already, if you'll take it. The wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, people are never your problem. But this word wrestle is kind of interesting. It, it literally means an intense conflict with no rules. Why? Because Satan doesn't play by the rules. You have to make him. These people would have known because they had the real, you know, what is the male soap opera, right? The WWF. Listen, any of you men, I don't care how tough you are, you get hit, you get punched in the throat by somebody who's 6'7", weighs 280 pounds of solid muscle, you don't get back up from that. That is fake. Now, it's kind of amazing. They're very athletic. They're very athletic. I mean, it's amazing. But in Paul's day, they had coliseums. And we've seen remains of some of the ceramic stuff, and their sports heroes would be on there. And they'd have this wrestler that'd have a missing eye, would have, have just messed up body parts. Why? Because intense conflict. They'd get in there and they'd take six-inch six nails and they'd wrap their arms, their hands and their arms in leather straps up to here. They would, they would, I mean, carry weapons. And they were coming in. They weren't trying to knock you out. They were trying to kill you. So in other words, this is telling us, guys, there is an intense conflict with no rules. Now, your enemy has no power... And, and we, we're understanding how he comes. He's coming against your mind, but he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. This is a real thing. But all he, he has to deceive you because he can't. Listen, if he could kill you, he would have already done it. Right? And I mean, think about yourself. How many times has the door been open, but he still hasn't been able to take you out? Right? So it says here, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That means the air underneath the mountains. Where are all these things? They're on the earth. And guess what? They're under your feet, way under your feet, because you positionally have been seated with Christ, far above, the Bible says, all principalities and powers. So see, they have no power anymore, so, but they're very deceptive. So they'll throw thoughts. And they'll, they'll, they'll be like, look at how you feel about that. Look at what you're seeing. That tumor is real. And your response needs to be, I don't, faith never denies a circumstance Faith denies its right to remain in your life. So I don't deny that there's a tumor. I deny its right to be in my body because I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus bore it so I don't have to. So now, in the name of Jesus, tumor, you got to leave my body. 
poverty and lack, you have to leave my life because I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. Jesus was made poor on that cross so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. That's a full and overflowing supply. That's not anybody's opinion except our Father's opinion. So this is interesting. See, guys, why am I saying this? You cannot win a spiritual battle with natural means. Don't don't try to face Satan naturally. Well, I'm just going to work my way out of this financial mess. Well, listen, work out what God's working in. But your answer is not to go get three jobs so that you can never be in the Word, never be in church. But now here's the other ditch. But you almighty faith man, you can't just sit home. Well, I'm just believing God. Well, faith without works is dead. Right? So so you got to stay in the middle of the road. All you got to do is let the word be a lamp and a light to your feet. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just be willing and obedient, right? You'll eat the good of the land. Verse 13, wherefore... Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, let me prophesy. The evil day is coming to an end today. It's March 1st. However, the evil day when we all wake up tomorrow will be March 2nd. Okay? But God says, listen, I want you to withstand in the evil day. That's how come he says, listen, I'll always cause you to triumph. I'll always give you the victory. Right? Whoever's born of me, God says, overcomes the world system. But the victory that overcomes the world system is our faith. We simply believe what God said. And then it says this, having done all to stand. Now look at this, verse 14. I only, I'm only going to read two, two words here. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. See, a lot of people, that's right, a lot of people don't stand because they have not prepared to stand. They haven't done everything to stand. In other words, I'm in a battle, but I haven't been in the Word. I'm not, I'm not serving God. I'm out there doing my own thing. And all, so it's hard for them to stand. Thank God, if you've ever been in this position, or if I'm just talking about myself, here's the good news. There's mercy. So, so sometimes, man, you got to stand while you're having done all to stand, right? Listen, he always gives you the victory. So even if you've messed up and you've been doing your own thing, you know you're not in the word, you know you're not, you're speaking all this death, all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, bam, here's a circumstance, time to make some changes. We, remember Peter when he, was, when he sank? What did he do? He cried out to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jerk. No, he reached down and picked him up. And he helped him walk back on the liquid water to the boat, right? So his mercy is new every morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Never forget that. We started with that one today. I want to read it again lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, his noemata. I'm not ignorant that he's coming after me to play mind games on me. 
He's going to throw my past in my face. He's going he's to bring his case of why what I've done up to this point makes me not worthy to get out of the mess that I've, I've created. God's never saying that. God's saying, Jesus already paid for the mess. Let me help you out of this. Right? So spiritual warfare, knowing your enemy is of the mind. Remember, thoughts. you got to guard your thought life. Because if you don't and you start taking thoughts and you start speaking them, gosh, I'm so stupid. I can't do this. This is not working out. You are literally going to use your words and build an imagination in your mind. A movie that literally, it's a vain imagination that where you can see yourself. Have you ever seen yourself? Gosh, you know, I believe in God for this, but I've never seen myself overcome in this area. I've just went from one failure to another to another. That's okay. You just start meditating in the word and, and you'll build an imagination where you will start seeing yourself victorious. Okay? Because those, Satan won't even stop at that imagination. Because once, once you're speaking and now you got this movie going on in the inside of you, of, of, your, of your life being lived contrary to the word of God, then he'll create circumstances that will keep proving to you in the natural how this thing's never going to get better. Why? Because he wants you to keep going in that behavior so that you build a prison for yourself. And then we call that a stronghold. And here's the good news. If you came in this place tonight with a stronghold, guess what? Guess what destroys strongholds? The anointing. The anointing that is upon these scriptures, this word, if you'll hear them and receive them. Notice I didn't, I didn't say if you understand them. No, if you just are willing to go, listen, I know this is Bible. It's pretty simple what I'm hearing tonight. If God said it, I believe it. I'm going to make the adjustments. I'm just, this is my truth. If you'll hear it, believe it and just speak it gosh that anointing that is upon that word it'll lift that burden off of you and it'll destroy that yoke of bondage it'll destroy the prison walls will come down but they don't fall down so like they could be rebuilt again no the anointing destroys them it gives you a picture of something being ground into dust right i always tell the story i always think of this story i worked at a company when i was real young i was working graveyard shift and uh, I was a trainer in a gym, and then this guy got me this job in the factory, and I was making more money. It was awesome. I was working graveyard shift. I was a machine operator, you know, and uh, man, I, you know, I'm not mechanical, but uh, the, it, was, it was, you know, I, I, my boss would come to me and go, hey, do you know how to run this machine? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And then he'd leave, and I'd go ask somebody, hey, can you show me how to run this machine? And by the end of the night, I would know how to run it, right? And then I got promoted where I was running this one machine. It was awesome. It would take me about two and a half hours to set it up, and then you'd hit a button. And, and I couldn't read the Bible. They, my, my boss said, yeah, you can't, you can't read a book. And he goes, but, but, you know, he goes, listen, just Xerox it. Put it on a clipboard. I don't care if you have a clipboard. So I'd sit there and read books and read the Bible online because once it was set up, it was like, you know, I just feed on that. Well, a guy 
a guy that uh, was a friend of mine who was across the way, but my normal machine, his machine was over here. His machine would grind this, this part of the part down. You know, they did drill bits for oil wells, right? So he messed up and set it wrong. And these things were very expensive. And uh, he came back from lunch and there was just a pile of metal. The part, it literally ground the thing down to nothing. There was just a little pile of shavings. And he's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. You know, this is a lot of money and all this stuff. And he comes over, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, well, what's going on? So I walked over there. And, you know, there was coolant that when they would drill or, or grind, there was coolant running and everything. And then it would go down this drain and, and all this stuff. And, and when you'd clean your machine, you had this brush. Every, every place had it. You know, every machine had it. And so I'm like, I just took the brush and I went, and I, and I said, what, what part? And the guy's like, yeah, what part? That's an accounting problem now. Man, there was 12 in there. Now there's only 11. I don't know whatever happened with that, but anyway. And this is going live, but guess what? That company went out of business, so whatever, right? And not only that, that was like in 1982 or something crazy, so anyway. What, what does that have to do with it? That's what the anointing will do to your problem. It will grind it into dust so that there's no way it could ever be rebuilt. So if you have an addiction, when you get free from that, and what do I mean by that? When you become aware that you're already free, it can never be rebuilt again. Never. Satan doesn't want anybody to know that. Right? No matter what it is. Because whoever the Son has made free is free. Once and for all, free. Once and for all, forgiven. Once and for all, made worthy, right? Unaccusable, unblameable. Why? Because of us? No, because of Jesus. Jesus. Receiving thoughts of doubt is like canceling your order or refusing delivery. Have you ever ordered something and you're like waiting for it? Right? You're looking forward to getting it. Receiving thoughts of doubt would be like you canceling the order. you got to look at now. For all the women who shop online, they're all going, ooh, I got that. I'm not canceling that order. Right? I want that purse. I want that blouse. I want, right, those shoes. Right? I've only got 400 pairs of shoes. But, you know, I need that other one too, Right? I'm not naming any names. Our warfare, our warfare, we are in a war, and here's our warfare. It's to stand against these wrong thoughts that Satan is throwing at us. Everything that you're dealing with, no matter how, I mean, some people have been hurt, and they're going through hard things, and man, it feels so real, but the reality of it is, it's all in your thought life. Satan will bring thoughts of doubt to challenge and question what you believe that you've received when you prayed. 
When you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. He'll bring thoughts that will help try to get you to doubt and question, well, maybe, maybe I didn't get it this time. Have you ever thought, man, I'm telling you, have you ever, has anybody ever had a thought of doubt? Have you ever had that? Has it ever rocked your world? Yes. Do you know how, do you know how silly that is? Because think about it. Who threw that, that, who threw that thought? If, if Courtney was believing God for something, and let's say these spiritual forces set against her, they are just going, guys, she's out to lunch. She's completely missing it. Would they have to throw a thought of doubt? Because she's, she's missing it. She's not going to lay hold of anything. The mere, why am I saying that? The mere fact that you have a thought of doubt means that you're in faith and that you're moving towards it. We got to not be ignorant of his devices. Whenever you have a thought of doubt, go, oh, praise God. Satan, thank you for confirming that I am on the right track because if I wasn't, you wouldn't even throw a thought of doubt in my mind. Because Satan is always telling you that you're not good enough when God says you are. He's always telling you you can't have what God says he's already given you. That's what he does, because he is the father of lies. The truth is not in him. Tony, you're not worthy. Thank you. That means I'm worthy, because you're a liar. Even you see how worthy I've been made, right? So when you get doubt, don't get upset. Get excited. Well, I've been believing God for this, and I just can't see it. Listen, like I said before, God's word is not true because you can see it. It's true simply because he said it. And if you'll believe it, you will see it. And when you have an enemy that's telling you, you're never going to get this, trying to get you to doubt, get you into fear, listen, you're on your way. He's trying to derail you. He's trying to get you to let go of something that you already have a hold of. Do you see that? Wow, that's so big in me. What are we talking about? Know your enemy. How to stand effectively. Ephesians 6.16, it says this. I'm just going to jump down to there. Above all, literally in the Greek, it's in front of all, taking the shield of faith. Do you realize your faith is a shield? When you hear God's word and you believe it, faith is birth. It's like a shield. And what does that shield do? Wherewith you shall be able to quench how many fiery darts of the wicked one? All of them. In other words, faith, the shield of faith, you believing God's word will stop all of his attacks. All weapons will be formed but Isaiah tells us they won't prosper. That in righteousness, I'll be far from oppression, right? Because I won't fear, and from terror, it won't come near me. All of my children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of my children, and my seed will be mighty on this earth, right? Satan always tries to reason you out of what already has been given to you. It's already yours, Satan tries to tell you that you don't have what you already have. 
Satan will tell you God's word is not true. Satan always questions you about things you don't know, right? Well, how is this going to work out? Listen, you don't have to know how your hip works to have a new hip. You don't have to know how, to, how blood sugar is regulated to have diabetes eradicated from your body. You don't have to know anything about cancer to walk free from cancer. Does that make sense? But he'll always question you about things you don't know. How? Tell me how. Or why? Why haven't you seen it yet? He does this why? To confuse you and to get you to doubt. But at the same time, God is always speaking to you about things he wants you to know. But he speaks to you from the inside. His word, the Holy Spirit, will speak to you about the word of God that you meditate in. About he wants, God wants you to know what you've been given. Right? There's a difference between God showing you things on the inside and Satan speaking to you on the outside. you got to be able to discern this. How do you do this? You identify God's voice by the things that you know on the inside. Number two that now, you've got to also secure God's word. If you're believing God for something and you can't tell me two or three scriptures that are bursting in your heart, that tells you that God, this is God's will for you to have this, then you're not in faith. You have to secure God's word. So as I walk through, as I drive my little faith mobile through life, I'm always conscious. I know how he's coming at me. That's good preaching, and I always am looking at to secure God's word. Right? So, I mean... I'm all, you have to secure God's word because faith is how you receive everything that God's given you by grace. So let's look at this. Let's look at the temptation of Jesus real quick. Well, I'm going to take my time. I might have to teach on this Sunday some more. If you guys will come back, right? Matthew chapter 4, let's look at about 10 verses right here. Let's look at the temptation of Jesus because remember, we can see how Satan came against him and that's written for us to know how to deal when Satan comes against us. Man, I'm yelling. This is awesome. I almost feel like running. It's just so good. This is so good. I hope you're enjoying this because I am really enjoying this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, look at the temptation of Jesus. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. Now we know from medical science that you fast for three days, it's brutal. All you think about is food, right? After three days, though, that hunger kind of goes away. But if you, I've never fasted more than three days, but I've, I've had friends that have fasted 40 days. And uh, please don't do that unless, I mean, Jesus was probably in really good shape. He was led to do that. But medically, after 40 days, the human body, every system will be completely depleted and there will be a hunger that comes up. It's a starvation hunger. None of us have ever experienced that in America. 
It's a starvation hunger. So when, think about this is what, why is this written this way? Because Satan came at Jesus at his weakest moment. In the same way, he's going to come at you at your weakest moment. He knows every button, right? And he's going to come at that. He knows how to push that button. With me, it was that worthlessness button. There was a lot of buttons. It's so nice not to live with buttons. And I never had to get rid of any of them. God just got rid of them for me. It's so awesome. So, so at his weakest moment, here comes Satan. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry, and the tempter came. Now, as you study the Greek words, we know that Satan came in his thoughts. We look at this temptation like Satan just appeared and manifested himself physically, and he's taken Jesus all over the place. No, 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 no. It says in the Bible that Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. How are you tempted? Right? In your thought realm. See, where it, says, where it says he took him, it literally means to take by analogy. It's in his mind. But it was a real temptation. In the same way, every temptation that you deal with starts in your mind. Right? So Jesus, I mean, he could probably, he, he was so hungry. When Satan said this to him, I bet he could taste his mother's bread that she made growing up when it was just hot. Right? The tempter came to him and said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Satan understood Jesus was righteous. Where he was, that's where the kingdom was. Satan understood that Jesus could have said to that stone, be made bread. That was a temptation. If, it, if Jesus couldn't have made that stone a piece of bread, that would not be a temptation. Right? In the same way Jesus could literally feed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves and two fishes. In the same way when the father said, hey, Jesus, go, go walk to your guys on the water there, Jesus just said, okay. It doesn't matter it's liquid water. Why? Because if you go to the garden, God gave man dominion over everything. Right? So this was a valid temptation. It was igniting Jesus' thought life. It was igniting his emotions. He's starving. He could probably smell the bread that he grew up with. Right? But what was Satan doing? If you be the son of God. So we see the first thing he comes after is Jesus' identity. Does he, in this weakened condition, still know who he is? Satan's going to come to you. Right? Do you know who you are? If you be a child of God, right? That's what he does. That's why it's here. Satan was also attempting to get Jesus to consider himself. Remember, selfishness, self-centeredness 
when that that is literally that is literally the nature of Satan. He was trying to get Jesus to consider himself and speak. Look at what he said. If you be the Son of God, command. Satan wanted Jesus to consider himself and speak out of his mouth what Satan wanted him to speak. It's exactly what he does to every one of you. It's exactly what he does to me. He'll always try to get you to speak what he wants you to speak. He wants you to say, I'm sick. I'm weak. I can't do this. When God says, no, you're healed. If you look at the, if you look at the life of Jesus, every time, every time something did not line up with the word of God, a circumstance, whatever it was, he instantly would answer that circumstance immediately and accurately according to the word of God. He said, it is written. He, now, after he said it is written, he's going he's gonna to quote Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus stopped the mental temptation by speaking God's word. He submitted himself to God. He resisted the devil with the word of God, and it stopped it. But notice the devil didn't leave. So the devil's like, bam, got slapped in the face with the word of God. Okay, well, let me try another one. Then the devil taketh. This literally means in the Greek language, he took him by analogy. In other words, in his mind. He takes him up into the holy city, Jerusalem. We know it's Jerusalem. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So in Jesus' mind, he threw a thought, and Jesus could see himself on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you be the son of God, again, he comes at his identity, cast yourself down, and then Satan's learning. So now let me quote a scripture, Jesus, for it is written... And now Satan quotes Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. Right? And he says, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Is that Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12? Yes. Did Satan accurately speak that? Yes. Satan was trying to get Jesus to consider himself for the purpose of getting him in pride, right? Because people would see him do this great feat, see him step off that temple and fall and have angels catch him, and all the people in Jerusalem around the temple, because there was always people around the temple, they'd see this great feat. He was messing, he was playing a mind game with Jesus, but it was a real temptation. In the same way, all this stuff that seems so real, it's a mind game. Do you know fear? He hasn't given you the spirit of fear. You know the Bible says that. It's the Greek word delia. It means something that turns you into a coward. Do you know most of the time that that word is used? It's, it's dealing with stuff that hasn't happened yet. It's the what if. Gosh, I was just diagnosed with this. What if this gets worse? 
What if? I mean, how am I going to take care of my family? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to... It's the what if. Then verse 7, Jesus said unto him, it is written again. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. Thou shalt not, and now he's going to answer Satan's question, if you be God. He says, Satan, let me answer that question. It is written also, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So now Jesus is getting in his face. Do you notice as Satan turns the heat up, Jesus turns it up more. Listen, sucker. I am the Lord, and by the way, I'm your God. You know, we say, come here, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Do you know only one person, is, one individual has ever made Jesus Lord? That was God the Father. Jesus is Lord of all. The question is, are you going to bow now or are you going to bow later? Because everybody's going to bow. I'm so glad I just gave him my life, and I'm now I'm born again. Now I'm his child. I'm on the right side, right? Again, the devil, verse 8, takes him, again in his thoughts, up to an exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Why was Jesus, why did he come to this earth? He came to bring the kingdom to all the kingdoms of this earth. So what does Satan do? He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory, all the money, all the power of all of them. And he says to him, now he doesn't say if you be the son of God anymore because Jesus kind of slapped him with that. Yes, I'm the Lord your God, you idiot, right? And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. So Jesus, I know you're here to bring the kingdom of God all over the world. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase. I know what you're here to do. You fall down and worship me, I'll give it all to you right now. Right? Wow. In other words, Satan once again was trying to get Jesus to consider himself to get things in a way that was not his father's way. In the same way that you and I will always be tempted to do things our way and not God's way. Do you see how this fits us? Wow, we're not ignorant of his devices. And then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence... In the Greek, it means go away, Satan, for it is written. And now he's going to quote Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Amen. Jesus resisted Satan with the word. So securing God's word. Man, there's so much more I want to say about this. But securing God's word, this is what this means. It means you take the word of God that is the foundation of your prayer of faith. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm standing against sickness and disease, I take two or three scriptures, right? Galatians 3.13, I take this word. It's a foundation of my prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? Father, right now, what things soever you desire, believe you receive them and you'll have them. That's a prayer of faith. Father, I'm calling for my healing right now. 
My body's been illegally attacked with sickness. And I, I'm, I'm saying what you say. This has no legal right in my body. Why? For it is written in Matthew 8, 17. Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. Where did he do that? Isaiah 53, verse 4 through verse 6. He was, he was bruised for my iniquities, right? He bore, my, he bore my sickness. He carried my pain with his stripes or with his bruise. I'm healed. Psalm 103, Father, it is written in Psalm 103, you not only forgive all of my iniquities, but you heal all of my diseases. So that's what's securing God's word. You take these scriptures that are the foundation of your prayer of faith, and then you use God's word against the enemy when he attacks you. How does he attack you? With thoughts. You answer him with God's word. That's why getting quiet when you're in a battle, let me just put some nice instrumental praise and worship on so I could just feel good. Because I just, no, that's not going to do it. You got to stand and say, it is written, I'm not moving, you're defeated, I, am, I have already been made whole. I'm already the healed. I'm not trying to be successful. God, God already made me that. Now all this failure that's all around me that I've done over my whole life, all of it has to bow to who I am in Christ. The blessing of Abraham's on me. That means everything that I touch, it increases. But see, you, you can't move in that direction if you don't see it. And God wants you to meditate in his word so that you see it. Right. right? So we've got to know your enemy. Then we've got to secure God's word. Right? Number three, we'll get into this later, you've got to maintain a pure heart. Right? And then number four, you've got to resist fear and doubt. We'll see what God does with this. We might even just get on this, get in, into this on Sunday just to finish this up. You guys would be okay if I reviewed a little bit on this again, right? We'll just see what the Lord wants. Well, I hope this has helped you a little bit. God wants you free. He wants you free. Boy, did that time go fast. Wow. You know, this is the easiest environment to preach the word of God in because you're all so hungry. God loves you tonight. He loves you so much. Hallelujah. Victory is yours. You are free.